It was awesome. So uh, we're just going to get into it. How's that? Yeah. All right, Joe. The podcast has already started. (laughs) (laughs) Intro music. Okay. Joe Nolan, you are back in the flow. You're back in Tennessee. Back in Tennessee. You're away from the sunshine. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the cold. I'm we're literally wearing a wool sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worn one of these all year. <laughs> so, uh, all right, in California? Where were I you? was in Arizona for oh, since wow. uh, pretty much through the holidays, and just got back a little bit ago. Yep. I love Arizona. And it was when he left, yeah, it, it was uh, you know, it was a beautiful. situation, right, where you just you didn't really know when you were going to be able to be back. Right. So, um, you know, here we are now. Yeah, luckily, I mean, you yeah. got look, you've got a really good lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm yeah. not allowed to talk about it though. So, we're here with uh, Mr. Mike Kluge and am I saying that correctly? Kluge, but Kluge? No, Kluge? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh my god. It doesn't All matter, right. man. Well, I don't edit this thing. We don't edit. Yeah, we don't know how. So, it's just, it's just going to. I don't downhill. even think I'm pronouncing my name right. I don't think Kluge is right. I think it's something way more German than that, like Kluge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's pretty good. Kluga. Oh, that sounds cool. You've so, been Americanized. Roll Mike, with that, Michael yeah. Kluge. Yeah. I just like people say whatever they want, and then you know it gets more interesting every time. So. And so, um, yeah, and you're a, a badass, amazing multimedia. Uh, artist, I think is doing some very unique things here, um, and I love your work. Thank you. Um, so we're done. That's all, basically. That's it, guys. Yeah. Hell of a show. <laughs> we just like to bring people <laughs> in and compliment them. No, but but anyway, so... I was supposed to fight about it. Right. Is this an art fight podcast? When did we do the fight? I didn't fight you. I'm a, I'm a pacifist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you know we're, we're very much about... Uh, finding out who's you know mutually interested obviously in combat sports and um, art fine art creative endeavors etc I had no idea surprisingly I am right yeah it's see we're all out there yeah but I mean ultimately so when when you're we've gone on for probably many hours about sort of why we think that that correlates to the things that drive us the most in terms of what we make or do or, Mm -hmm. or how we live um, it, you know, I've never practiced, but uh, doesn't mean that I can't grok a lot from it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, I've threatened Joe many times that I'm going to start training. Uh, <laughs> and for us to compete, you're going to have to cut a lot of weight. <laughs> so I'll be oh, at a God. serious, serious point of advantage by the time we get I to the can same. Give some kind of weight uh, tips. Oh yeah, yeah. You lose weight in your sleep. Yeah. You know, yeah. the spit in the cup thing. It's all uh, water weight, but hold the know. towel. Yeah, hold the towel. Hold the towel. What's that one? <laughs> that's uh, that's one that Daniel Cormier just did real famously about six months ago. I forget what was that the Jones fight or what was that? No, it was before that because so, Jones was like saying what a cheater, which is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he was he, he was on the edge of not making weight at the very yeah. last minute. Where you know, he had you, to you make get it. like more than one chance to do it. So the first time he got on there, he was like like two pounds over or something. Then he came back like an hour later, and as they're holding the towel, he like puts his hands on the towel too, and it's like. And like pushing down on the towel, and they're like 155 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, or whatever, he's 205. 205 yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, uh, anyway, so, and everybody, like, 
like the judges let him like, get away with it. Okay, so it's like yeah. sort of uh, you're just sort of counteracting his, yeah, his weight, kind of putting some weight on the towel, so you're not like <laughs> you're taking your weight off the scale a little bit. And like then everybody, because I mean, obviously in that UFC MMA world, lots of those people are they know about the weight cutting from that world, or because they're former wrestlers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, hey, wait a second, he's doing the towel thing. Like yeah. we know what that is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not fooling anybody. Yeah, <laughs> but he got away with it, man. Yeah, the <laughs> cutting weight. I used to. My junior year of high school, I was cutting like 10 pounds to be in my weight class. And What was your weight? Uh, I wrestled 119, but I weighed like one, like 35 or something like uh-huh. that. So at that yeah. low weight, that's a, yeah. that's a, a, a strong percentage to cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or sorry, I weighed like, I wrestled 125 and I weighed like 135. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it sucked, you know? I, would, uh, I wouldn't do it the right way at all. I would just uh, wait till like, four days before the tournament <laughs> and just go to practice with, like, four pairs of sweatpants on and four sweatshirts and do practice and then not eat and have a little sip of water and just ah, suck, uh, Ice man. chips. Yeah, but that was the culture, you know, in high school. My dad was, a high, um, like, a national um, place winner in college. Mm, so Really? He was super hardcore, and he got me into it, like, in middle school. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, he he didn't he didn't encourage me to cut weight, but he was just like, yeah, you know, you can cut weight if you want. Like it's your decision, man. Yeah. So, and uh, but they actually um, they ended up um, making it illegal in uh, Georgia because some kids like the year I graduated from high school, um, this one kid like almost died from doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like he was under or he was over, and then. Uh, like we were talking, like you guys were just talking about, he weighed in and he was over, and then he like went into a sauna with a trash bag and yeah. passed out, and nobody found him for like a couple hours. He almost oh, died. No. And uh, yeah, so they were like, uh, "Can't do this anymore." So basically, what would happen was you go in at the beginning of the season, and then they would uh, weigh you, and then take a percentage of your weight and be like, "This is the most you can cut." So, oh, okay. but you know, I mean, there's always a, kind of ways to cheat that. Like kids would probably cut weight before they weighed in at the beginning of the season yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, you come in all emaciated. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. This is my, wa- this is my walk around. This is, this is my walk around weight. You can't even sit down. No. Like, well, sometimes you see I these guess guys. You really can take shit. 5% off. <laughs> no, they talk about that with, with in the, the MMA world as well, because there have been people who, you know, if, if even if only they just end up getting so sick that they can't compete, or something more extreme happens. Like there was, yeah. I think, a girl in Canada or something a little while ago was like, you know, fighting on one of the smaller circuits or something, and she, or I think it was New Zealand, and I think, she, and she like died because she was doing the same thing, cutting weight and doing it all wrong, and and you know, it there's, could be disastrous. There's pros and cons to it because, like, definitely in high school, if you're like ten or fifteen pounds heavier than somebody, and you cut, like, your body's just bigger, uh-huh. you know. So if like somebody's not cutting weight and you do cut weight and then you get down to them, even though you might be the same weight, you're just like, your body's like yeah. just built differently. So there is an advantage there, but yeah, you're, you're losing your, it's just like everybody was doing it wrong in high school. Like mm-hmm. nobody's like cutting weight, like over time and keeping it down. Wow. So you just lose so much more, so much stamina and just mm-hmm. like, um, well, there's such a key, uh, you know, now in the UFC, it's sort of like, if you're on the in the top tier of performers in the UFC, then you've got the best nutritionists that are working on you full time, right? To stage you for every phase of the cut and <laughs> yeah. and to be optimized for every part of it. And those people do so much better. It's still brutal, though. I mean, obviously, yeah. Cormier's I'm sure got a pretty 
pretty good. Uh, High school's like your redneck dad, like, turned off the water and... (laughs) 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 Right. (laughs) Tough it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird... It's a... Well, that's what's interesting. (laughs) It's like, really, what it is, is... I I think in a lot of sports, actually, um, there's, like, this leftover kind of... uh, Kind of meathead mentality. Like, you see it in football, right? Like, with... Um, you know, concussions and all these things that are going on. And, and you know, what do they do? It's like the exact opposite of what you should do. They keep beefing up like technology and helmets and pads and, mm. you know, making it to where it's like, like, how do we build a car around them so they can even run faster and hit harder? Yeah, yeah. And then your brain is still going to slosh around in your head. So in the same way with like MMA, mm. you know, like if the gloves are a farce, it, you know, anyway, like mm. that was just done to make it appear that they weren't just bare knuckle fighting yeah. each other, right? But bare knuckles way safer. Yeah, way safer. Like yeah. uh, because oh really? Why? Why do you guys think that? So because you're the, you when you hit someone bare knuckle, a you have to do it correctly. Like you have to punch a person the right way, and so you're going to be a little bit more. You can't just go wild, right? And yeah, you're yeah. going to break your hand super mm-hmm. easy. And then, uh, and I speak all this obviously from a lot of experience, um, and then, um, from a legacy, yeah, <laughs> a legacy of violence. <laughs> so, so, you know, I haven't been in a bare knuckle brawl since since the eighties. Uh, but uh, you should have seen him back then. Uh, an the cafeteria was aghast. Uh, but uh, but anyway, but then you know, so with uh, the bigger the gloves, the you know that's why boxing is rough, right? Because you got these ten ounce gloves or whatever, your brain's just slosh around your head but you have no or very minimal cosmetic damage yeah and your hand gets fucked up is that okay to cuss yeah, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like okay it's encouraged oh, yeah your hands get way more fucked up when you're yeah. bare knuckle fighting and so you have to you know have some restraint exactly and yeah. you just if your hand doesn't get hurt you can just pound yeah if yeah. you're just all wrapped in, yeah. in 10 ounce gloves then you're just like right. ah. yeah 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 just going nuts yeah no doubt and I, I just you know but I, I feel like um the uh uh what were we, we were gonna, like you were saying about the 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 way that football's gone with like upping the 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 equipment with the idea that you're going to be more protected but then at the same time it's like it encourages exactly the thing right you know compared so, to rugby or something right. and see what's going on there you know mm-hmm. yeah and so i think that they're ultimately i guess what i was trying to get at too is like that i think that there's this kind of leftover caveman meathead kind of walk uh-huh. it off tough it out yeah kind of thing that just you know wrestling the way that the wrestling culture is you know um and then as these fighters come up in MMA, they bring a lot of that old wrestling, sure. kind of tough it out. You know, it's all about just how much you can take. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of macho attached yeah, to it all. As opposed to just being like, no, yeah. we can we can actually, you know, have some science yeah. about this and see what's or, up. Or, yeah, and just some, some discipline about the idea that it's like, you know, if you, if you are going to fight it this way, you simply have to maintain a, your... You can't blow up 30 pounds mm-hmm. after every fight. You've mm-hmm. got to... You gotta, You've got to remake your lifestyle and your diet so that you can go down to here without, you know, dropping 12 pounds instead of 32. We should have, <laughs> yeah. we, we should have a weight requirement for the podcast. <laughs> We're going to have a weight. You're touching the towel. You're touching the towel. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be leaning on that towel, man. <laughs> so every week, but like by Wednesday, we're already like blown way back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to be like, uh, who is who is it? Uh Oh, I'm thinking of Charlie Parker. Like, like he was like a big eater too. But you was a saxophone player. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I think that he had appetites for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I oh, yeah, yeah. But I was gonna say, and Miles's book, he's always talking about like, yeah, 
like just having like a huge thing of you know fried chicken on the train yeah. kind of stuff yeah. and just eating the whole yeah. thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly a, a food hedonist but I want to say that, that like maybe Jack Johnson was like that too or Sonny Liston like one of those old heavyweight guys was yeah. like also known for like just bet, you know I think Jack Johnson did everything eating, eating some yeah. food wasn't afraid to eat some food yeah <laughs> but yeah so in, in, in terms of like um you're, so when you were wrestling, uh, you know, obviously that there's a lot of structure to that. There's a lot of, it's about reacting. It's it's not about like being this. You're not trying to be Bruce Lee in there or something, right? Like you're just trying to. You're not Depends, trying. Man, I was. They but there's me a little the like, alien because the I would alien. Just, yeah, because yeah, I would just go out there and just fucking <laughs> free form it, yeah. roll around and think yeah. he's on top somehow. That's, that's awesome. So yeah. tell me more about that because like that's that's like um, I love just grabbing a wrist and then the head and yeah. then just like it's called a head throw. You just pull the arm and the in the head and you just like hit toss <laughs> I would try awesome. to end it in 40 seconds you yeah. know just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's great you're like it wouldn't happen a lot because uh, my my dad taught me this word pretty early on it's called uh, being a fish and it's when you can't get off your back you know and you're always so uh, there was a lot of fishes in high school like kids who were you know it's their first year ever being on a mat and I had been doing it for like 10 years so like oh. you know like 60% of like high school wrestlers I could just like flip over and pin uh-huh. but then the other 40% was like a real match so yeah um, but yeah there's a lot of fishes out there how so. quickly <laughs> how quickly can you find out if someone's a fish or not well you immediately know if they walk up to you and ask you how many years you've been wrestling Oh, just started. Well, hey, you know, congratulations. It's really fun. I'm, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> uh, uh, I what actually, I love most about wrestling is the camaraderie and the spirit of, yeah. of fellowship. Yeah. Give me your wrist. <laughs> actually, um, uh, my grandparents used to film a lot of my matches. Oh. When I was in middle school, there was this girl uh, named Tia Forrester, and she was she was uh, she was a ruffian man. She was just Sounds like one like of the it. boys, yeah. and nobody wanted to wrestle her. And uh, so I had to wrestle her like a couple times, but I lost to her once, you know, oh, in wow. middle school, and nice. uh, acted like a total baby about it, like stomped off the mat and was crying. <laughs> my, <laughs> my grandfather to this day. <laughs> That's the first thing he says to me when I walk in the door. He's like, hey, Mikey boy, remember when you wrestled that girl? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still haven't watched the video. Cause I'm just like, I can't okay, so let's. this is a party idea if I've yeah. ever heard of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, let's do a, a, t- uh, a Mike versus Tia screening. Yeah. <laughs> do you, is there a trilogy or just two? Uh, I think there's more than one. I have a twin brother, too, and he wrestled oh, wow. her as well and beat her and also lost her. So <laughs> That's I, amazing. Just, there is a legacy there. This it is could, starting to become. A documentary. It'd be a great documentary. Just say a really great short documentary. And the twin brothers who both got beat by the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's great. There's no, there's no shame in me to losing to a girl. Like I have no shame. It's more about how I reacted to it. Like I just don't want to go back there. Yeah, I remember being like so full of shame. (laughs) (laughs) Was because you just knew you were going to catch hell. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean, but whatever. Her hair was like rope. And uh, oh, did she use that as a weapon? Yeah. it was a, definitely a tactic of hers. She had a big head of the, just like braided into this tight rope that she would like rub in your face. Oh, wow. Good for yeah. her. Yeah, good for her. <laughs> like some cornrows uh, in Muay Thai, you know, or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was going to say, um, uh, one of the things that, that we, we've talked about this before, especially because we've had these female fighters on our show, but it's one of the things I think is the most interesting right now in that whole martial arts world is the fact that you've got 
so many of so many of the most interesting fighters are the women. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like totally. And in that world too, it's like you don't you don't really see any kind of like oh well that's like the women fighters for the most part you don't see that you know for the most part you see that people are smart enough to go well they do they they do their thing in a different way sometimes but mm-hmm. essentially at the end of the day it's just two people trying to beat the shit out of each other just like totally. it is with the guys and it definitely and doesn't those, have the it's not the WNBA effect and yeah, I'm sorry for anybody no. who's a WNBA fan yeah. but I'm sorry it's just a different yeah it's not playing the full latitude of the game uh-huh. ultimately because of just limitations there yeah yeah for sure that is nobody's fault yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah no but it is what it is. but women fighters women fighters it's yeah man, it's it's right there there's great strikers yeah. there's great wrestlers there's great amanda everything. nunes could destroy a lot of 135ers oh yeah oh yeah there's a lot of guys who get beat up by her. i mean just because cyborg like, run right through your ass yeah. <laughs> people think that like you know the athletes in the top tier of whatever sport they're in are the most interesting to watch but a lot of times when you get, um, you know, that level of um, ability against each other, it can be like sort of like a standoff, you know, yeah. like there's a lot of defense going on. Cancel but each other out. When you get into like, um, especially smaller weight brackets and then even below that, like a little bit inexperienced, you get a lot of those like wild card moments yeah, where I think just great. like crazy shit happens. You're yeah. just like, oh my God, they're just like tangled up the yeah. whole time. And it's, you know, it's not always about like uh, being the best. It's just about like the pair that's going, that, yeah. that's happening. Matchups or yeah, how you match up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think too, like you were just saying about the, what they call you, they called you alien. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but I think it's interesting because to me, it's like a lot of my favorite fighters aren't, they're, they're kind of guys who they, they win some, they lose some, but you know what they do? They do weird shit every single time. Right. Like every single time this guy does some kind of crazy shit mm-hmm. that I'm like laughing out loud because right. I can't believe he's even doing this. Yeah, yeah. And it's totally that. It's totally like, I'm going to just try this crazy shit mm-hmm. because I can because yeah. I know it's entertaining to people, and if it works, it's gonna be fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's out of panic, you know. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, "Oh my god, what do I do?" Yeah. It's like, Go. yeah. It's time to get creative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's also like something where you know people, I think that have those kind of creativity uh, sort of elements in their in their game. I think that they have to exercise something that is on the fringe of that just to feel even present or like themselves in it. Yeah. Even th- like it's reductive for them to be sort of operating in this caged sort of game plan mm-hmm. methodology or something like you have to try to do that. But if you fully just take that spirit out of what you're doing. So even if you're just whatever, trying something in vain and it's never going to connect or whatever, you know, yeah. you kind of mm-hmm. do that. But like music is like that. Um, a lot of other work is like that, you know, like where you're, when you're improvising, you know, or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you, there's just certain, like, like if I'm in a place where I feel like I can't take a leap or yeah. adapt or do something dramatic, if I feel like I'm relegated to, to a format or yeah, some, right. some sort of uh, a condition, then I will. It's diminishing of me across the entirety of it. Even though what I might be doing is these sort of fledgling kind of acts mm. are <laughs> useless or not very well done or whatever. Let me make those mistakes or take those stabs. Yeah, because I have yeah. to do that to feel like myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Do you find? Um, let's talk for a second about like the art that you yet you do. We're talking all about fighting and yeah, wrestling. Yeah. We haven't even oh, gotten yeah, to the. We got to get to the art part of the art fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you how we'll do you beat up around. people with multimedia? Oh, yeah. oh, noise and uh, it's, it's really warfare. easy actually. Yeah, just turn it up really loud and make it harsh. You know? Yeah, lock the doors. Yeah. 
two drink minimum. <laughs> and you can't leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ask what's in the punch. It's, it's a free show, but it's a fifty dollar cover if you try to leave early. Yeah, yeah. yeah you so. have to pay to leave. Exit penalty. <laughs> I think I think the art world is on the brink of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that's great. Idea. So, uh-huh. but yeah, go ahead. So you're you're doing. Um, I mean, your visual work. It's how. I mean, how do you even begin to explain what that is? I mean, I suppose there's a common vocabulary. Some people are going to say things like it's kind of glitch art, or mm-hmm. there's other sort of keywords in and around that. But I feel like that's kind of limiting to the scope of or the entirety of what you do and you do it in so many places so tell me about that um i mean i played music most of my life um like in high school i was in bands and stuff like that and recording and then after high school i went to audio engineering school um but as soon as i graduated um college i moved to nashville and i started doing like these art and music shows and um i was like sort of I think after college, um, this seed started to grow inside of me that was like sort of tired of like the way music is normally structured. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't really want to write songs after a while. And Mm -hmm. I felt that happening to me and it was weird because I'd always done that. Yeah. But, um, so it started to like unravel that way. And then I started seeing people doing these cool projects with like mixing audio and video in experimental ways, you know, like using audio to manipulate visuals and mm-hmm. vice versa and this sort of like feedback loop. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so I was like curating shows like that. Um, and, uh, I didn't really know how to do any of it. I was still like on the music side. And uh-huh. then uh, my grandmother actually had this video production studio in the 90s, all this like old VHS equipment. What? Yeah, she had like an Amiga computer Whoa. and old video mixers and uh, VHS cameras. And she was like, do you want this? And oh I was like, God. yeah. So then like... This is like Nevis's story, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had another guest that was like... Who? It was this uh, Nevis Yule, who's um, the Sawtooth print shop yeah. uh, woman Muay Thai fighter. So yeah. I don't want me to cut your, uh, you off, but oh. I just want to say like it's blowing my mind. She, her her print shop started because she got let, basically it was like stuffing from a barn or, or whatever mm. it was. But anyway, yeah, I love it when you it hear like these all like, the time. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't shapes think your my whole story future. is unique at all in that way. Like yeah. I think sort of these um, these like conditions start bubbling up, and then if something gets interjected into it, it just sparks this new. Yeah, path. I mean that was only like three years ago wow. that I got video equipment, and then uh, I started uh, like. I was like pointing the doing video feedback. Um, and that's, I would say that's like defines my style a lot. Like the visual side of it is like, I'm always trying to use like distortion and noise and displacement and all mixed with like video feedback and sort of like, uh, really just like getting into the guts of video and manipulating it. Um, and a lot of abstract stuff. Like I don't ever go out and film video content. It's always like shapes and lines and texture and Mm. stuff like that. Um, so that's, I would say that's like sort of my style and it grew out of, um, you know, manipulating video feedback with uh, old analog gear. And then sort of, I just like kept like analog gear is really cheap now. You know, I, after like a year of messing with my stuff I inherited from my grandmother, I had like a table full of analog gear that would have cost you like ten thousand yeah. dollars and like or way more ninety. Yeah. 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 So uh started just, just the like Amiga. Doing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never actually got that to work. Uh, she had video toaster on it, which I was really excited about because uh. there's some really awesome stuff but I actually sent it to this guy in uh, Canada and I haven't even talked to him in like a year he has my computer <laughs> so uh, and every time I hit him up he's like yeah I'm working on it I'm like how much is this gonna cost I don't even want it back anymore <laughs> 
But yeah, was, uh, since then I've kind of sort of <laughs> moved into uh, digital, doing digital stuff. So once I figured out how to do video feedback digitally, I was like, oh, now I can like set, like I would have to ma- manually uh, move a camera around to make it like shift. And now if I can control all of this stuff with like waveforms and like get sine waves to like automate all of the parameters of mm. this video feedback system, it's oh, like, so that's nice. Yeah. So is it kind of like, is that effectively the difference? Would, would you say it's the same as like saying, you first had a keyboard that had prefab sort of patches on it that were comprised of analog sounds, but they were kind of like patches to sort of begin with. And then all of a sudden you got like a Moog or something where it's just, you can control what kind of waveform you're kicking out, like much more raw elemental output mechanism for the source. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what the difference is there? Yeah. 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 Being able to uh, control every parameter and, and honestly, um, just to get a lot more complexity going, mm. so you can, like, when I perform visuals live, I'll um, have some things that, like, you know, the audio will be coming into the computer and triggering certain things, um, like, in a patch. And then, so it's doing a lot of the work for me, but then, like, mm. the master sort of preset I can manipulate or change, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, okay, so in this patch, uh, the audio affects the visual this way, and then I can have a couple knobs or faders or whatever to control parameters inside of that. And then if I switch to another preset, it'll, you know, it'll be affecting it in a different way and just uh-huh. to get a bunch of zones going on. And so it's a lot of pre-programming going into it, but how does like, that, so how does that get stored? Um, just, uh, lots of different ways. It depends on what software you're mm. using really. But like you've but, done some really big shows, right? Like, I mean, some, some big touring acts and some, some big names have used you to provide visuals, right? Um, sort of, uh, I would say Paramore <laughs> is yeah. pretty much, pretty much the biggest one. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're on a national level, I would say that they're, and I did some stuff with this band, Young the Giant, but, um. Yeah, Paramore, I got hooked up with them this summer and did all of their video content for their tour uh, oh, for their wow. new record. That's cool. So um, when you're when you're doing the logistics of that, based on the sort of the analog and kind of interactive aspect of what you do, mm-hmm. how do you take that and move towards packaging or staging something to be in a production mm-hmm. seamlessly and reliably? Like how do you meet that challenge? Well, uh for a band like them, and I love doing it this way. Um, they they play to a track, not to a track. They they're musicians, but they play to a click, is what I mean. Yeah. So basically, they send me songs, and then I program all the MIDI in Ableton, and then um, the MIDI is a, gets sent to a video program. So I was wondering if MIDI. I mean, it seems like MIDI would have to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just I mean, pretty much you just draw in MIDI to to the dynamics of the video, like whatever sort of like whatever's happening in the track that makes the most sense to me is like the, uh, main focus or I counter, try what to a like, counterpoint might be yeah. perceptually or whatever the word would yeah. be. Yeah. So I just try to basically draw information that, um, will, uh, gets into a video, another video software and, um, basically just make an effect that looks how it sounds. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so you're like, you know what guys, I've been working on this for a long time. Something it'll change randomly on every fourth beat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, actually done. (laughs) That's that's what I would like to do is go on tour with people and like have a generative system (laughs) that I can just like play inside. That, that seems to be the dream in a weird way. I almost find it like as, as much as I understand the, the pragmat pragmatism of, 
okay, we, we can't bring you on the road for everything or whatever. Yeah. Man, like um, to have something prefab that's kind of running on a, uh, you know, connected to the tracks, that's great. That's awesome. And it's great because you can sculpt it perfectly and it just happens the same way. Yes. You know, the screens, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. But man, like how much next level that would be if you were like, now I'm. Yeah, like as involved. Like now, I'm paying attention to what scene this is and what the vibe is, and right. trying to factor all that in, and sort of blending the the sort of fat connective tissue of the performance from the performers to yeah, the crowd in this sure. way, and guiding perceptions. And yeah, like, that's some cool opportunity stuff right there for sure. I think also uh, it's just like a, when you play in a band, um, if you go on tour, your songs get so much tighter. Yep. So. You know, if you're performing visuals on the road, um, after a month in, you're like, oh yeah. my God, I have this, like, I could basically redo this whole thing right now if I yeah. want. Like, I could yeah. just make it. Well, yeah, so like you'd have a chance to work out your material and mm-hmm. go through the stretches of yeah. all these different sort of setups and, and go through yeah. all those iterations to arrive at some greater truth about what it is. For sure. Because when it's out there, like you could, you know, I'm not saying this would happen, but like you could go see Paramore mid tour to go see what your stuff looks like in the performance, which I'm sure you right. did at some point. And then it's like, what? No, but it's actually on everything's on the two not the four or yeah. whatever you know like the, everything got skewed yeah <laughs> you know or some weird quality control type things or or yeah. just or just to feel like man if i could control that right now it must be like a strain of just uh, almost like a painful strain of like ah oh, like i would do that a little different given this vibe right now for or sure whatever. yeah i struggle with that all the time when anything i make is like uh after watching it again I, there's just always that part of you that sees opportunity to expand so yeah i sort of just like have to let that go and that's it's right. like that's you know right. this is like yeah. i it's it's cool enough like yeah i, I like it it's like right. and it could always be better but that's you know sort of this you know well you've also been doing this for amazingly for only a few years and you're in the immediate sort of getting kicked out of the canon of whatever it is that you're doing and you're already doing so much like yeah. so it's not time to stop and second guess right it's just like go full speed and ask no questions and, and take a few shots here I mean, and there but move forward although you know i've only been like making video for so long i think that like my audio background yeah. is like added so much to like yeah. be- me being able to like just jump in and make cool stuff because it was like even with like my audio background and like sort of being able to program MIDI and Ableton and stuff like that, mm. just that alone. Yeah. If, if you just slap that into a video, into video software, yeah. it's, it can be no, super it's exactly the same way for me in the, the, the filmmaking video stuff that I do, whatever is because all of my years and years of mixing and making music in linear editors mm-hmm. to all of a sudden be in a video linear editor is the least intimidating thing <laughs> I know. ever. I know. You like, know, I was doing the analog stuff and this band was like, can you make a video for me? I was like sure i didn't own any video <laughs> software you know it's just like uh, it's it's a timeline i've i've been doing this for 10 years so. right which but, one's the razor blade that's all i need yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cro- uh, just drag the crossfade over cross dissolve yeah dude i've got this done <laughs> actually uh <laughs> I, the first time I made a video, I just like put it, put all the clips into like Adobe and then did this like multicam view and I could just like select, like it would basically, all the tracks would be running at once and then I could just select one and it would just like splice it in. Yeah. So I would just like play it back once and I would just, I, I just kept looping it and pressing each camera yeah. angle until like, I liked the way it was edited. Yeah. So I love editing that way. It's like performative. I fucking hate yeah. like editing 
um, manually, like, yeah. like just like take a clip. Does it work? It's like I, I'll make music videos where I just like dump a bunch of stuff into and do it the same way. I like I just be able just sort of like randomly select one at a time, and because it's the, the edits sometimes seem arbitrary to me. Because like what I I never make like narrative videos. It's yeah. always like thank God just a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like I I've never. I mean I they can be cool, but you know I I've just never tried that or been like mm-hmm. I think, drawn to it i just i just think about it as like visuals moving in time so yeah i think we're in a different uh time period now where the 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 as much as i'm a fan of long form sublime narrative you know sort of unfolding very thought out um you know i grew up in the time of concept albums and mm-hmm. you know just all this egregious um you know sort of uh, uh stuff right and, uh, and it takes you know it takes a while to sort of uh, undo some of that you know uh and then now we're in the time where it's uh, like I, i'm right now in, i'm in the middle of going okay why am i putting so much energy into making very complex 4k video edits that are you know i should just be mixing things for 30 second instagram bits and make that be my library for Mm. for whatever needs to be out there and so that's where i'm going now is like like the bar just gets lower and lower and lower yeah 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 (laughs) but in a weird way five second yeah content is like on the horizon it's insane yeah i mean like what man i've Goldfish. I really don't know. We actually, I saw a stat. Um, we have our the average attention span now for people is like I think five seconds. A goldfish is seven seconds. So <laughs> <laughs> we're actually sub goldfish. I mean, I guess, uh, that's like an Americans because depends yeah. on sort of depends on like you know who we're talking about really. Like, yeah. Oh, well, then like, also we who just, don't who don't look at screens all the time. You know, I'd love to like sit somebody down like yeah. a thirteen year old yeah. like white privileged kid that's right who like has never not been in front of a screen and then like yeah. some kid who's like never like been in front of a screen and like yeah. show them the same material and be like retain that like yeah. just see what the retention rates are you <laughs> it's know? gonna be in like, in like 20 years it's gonna be like like clockwork orange scene but for just boredom like it's gonna be like no you have to open your eyes and be in an empty room and, and just be with yourself and we'll, yeah. we will prop your eyes open if we have and to there's no, you're not looking at anything you're right. to, just to stare the moment in the face <laughs> what could be worse the most horrifying thing yeah. actually uh, I did a sensory deprivation tank the other day oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan yeah you are oh yeah I haven't done it was cool it's, it's uh it's, did you it's go amazing to, it's float Nashville float Nashville yeah, yeah. Um, tell us about it I'm a I was member like, I'm a I was, member Oh, is that true? Yes. Why did you, you can actually be a member? Yeah. yeah. Well, Maybe I'll get my name on a brick like, one day. Do you have, you're a member at Float National? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's like $60 a month or something like 50, that? 50 But then you... 49 But he, it was weird. He was like, you can split it with somebody, and then if every time you come in, it's 49 So you can like split... You can basically pay $30 a person, and then every time you go in, it's $30 a month, and then every time you go in, it's $49 or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. You get one... I think you get one float every month as part of that. Right. And then maybe that's times two because you can bring the other person that's on your account or something. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Yeah. Here's the thing. I was like, whoa. The, the float facility is not the place to understand complex financial arrangements. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do your due diligence before you go to the uh, isolation you know, chain. You don't want to be mulling through a contract. <laughs> yeah. Just before they lock you in and a, clauses. Yeah. 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 It's just, I, it's I had just, to think about it, though, because I was like, man, I don't... 
oh shit, I do want a float membership. And I'm not gonna, <laughs> but I don't right, understand you're right. what you're saying, yeah, man. Yeah. I just got out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, was, how was your, so was that what your first one? Yeah, me saying. and my brother went, cool. uh, I floated for an hour and a half, Yeah, which was like, it seemed like for fucking ever. Oh, that'll, that'll change. Yeah. But I was like really, when I was in high school, I was like reading a lot about John C. Lilly. Oh, yeah. So I was kind of like scared when I went into yeah. it. I was like, holy fuck, I'm going to like devolve and give birth to myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, I mean, that guy was on like 10 hits of acid when he did that. Yeah. So. But I don't recommend more than five. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was really cool. Um, yeah, I would, I would totally do it again. So it's one of those I, things where, at least in my experience, it's the first one was actually a little bit uncomfortable because you're just kind of trying to understand what is going on, and you're am I going to freak out? Like, what is buried in my brain? Yeah, and yeah. We'll and then, find out later. Or you just kind of just the little idiosyncratic nuances of it, like where you're just you're drifting slowly, and then five minutes later, like your right toe hits the side of the <laughs> tank, and it kind of just jars you, uh-huh. you know. And you're trying to like you're trying to like too hard force yourself to get into some zone that you don't know where it's even going to take you yeah, anyway like, or yeah, whatever. Like, I won't even know if I'm there or not. Yeah. So like the, the, so each time that I've done it each time it's gone faster and faster and faster and I can get into that sort of theta state really quick uh-huh. because I just, Sick. I just, I just get in and it's like, everything shuts down. I'm, I'm in. And then it's also, um, I've got like a system. It's funny. I went, uh, uh, my friend Guido, the painter, he uh-huh. was in town last week or week before, took him for his first float. Uh. And it was, and uh, I just told him this, and, and he actually said he used this sort of process and it helped him in his first float. But basically, when you get in, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, it's like uh, all of these thoughts. You start to realize just how much shit you're thinking about all at the fucking same time to where mm-hmm. it's it's chaos. And you can't help but kind of visualize it. You know, in whatever way that is natural to you, word clouds or whatever that whatever. I see the goldfish happening, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, so, so, but what happens is you're trying so hard to just. So, what? Here's what I always say: is like the thoughts come in and you just file them, but you don't open them. You know, so it's kind of like mm-hmm. you just classify, classify it or categorize the thought recognize it as just merely that don't think about it any more details and then just put it in some holding spot so it's like that's a financial thought that's a time thought that's a relationship thought that's a work thought that's a traffic thought or like whatever the thing is got into this point where it wasn't even i guess that sort of happens naturally like you see a symbol in your brain and you're like this is like a one of those thoughts but it was also started happening to me or just sort of like passing by which is like "Hmm, hmm, hmm, yeah and it was like it's really cool. Um, yeah, so then you're just left with just like that nothing. Yeah. And and then uh, then you start going places. It would like hurt my neck really bad at first because I had my hands out. Huh. And then I remember him telling me to put my hands back. And then you can I do either or. did. And yeah. I like, when I went like put my hands back, it like pressed you up a little bit. Me out, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. Because I was like, <laughs> when I first got in, like the light was already out. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go in. You yeah. Know? So I like laid, I just like went in, you know? Yeah. So I was like laying there and it started hurting my neck really bad. And I was like, oh, and I like sat up and then the salt got in my eyes. Oh, I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. fuck. And then my ear plug <laughs> yeah. fell out. And I was just like blind <laughs> yeah. and like searching for this earwax. <laughs> or this like wax plug. And then yeah. so like turn on the light and then like open the door <laughs> and like, got, like wipe my eyes with the towel. And I'm just like, this is going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> but then I like, when I got back in, I just like, breathed and i was like all right you're not you're not getting back up like just fucking do it you yeah. know like your back is fine it'll it'll even out and i like put the wrestler the wrestler and you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah here we go tough it out the, i think i honestly i think a lot of it uh, a lot of my early wrestling experience is totally in a form like even my like 
my zen is sort of has this like toughness about it where I'm just like fucking do it man (laughs) just like you know I got like learning programming shit I'm just like you can do it, man. Just like st- if you just stare at the fucking screen, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just sl- cram it in your brain. <laughs> it's not about like being too stupid. It's just like you haven't like punished yourself yeah, enough yeah, to yeah. understand. Yeah. You haven't hit yourself hard enough with it yet. Yeah, you're a wimp. Yeah. <laughs> a dumb wimp. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, what about what about your art? Like when it comes. Well, I mean that is partly what you're talking about now. But like, is there more things like in terms of you know, is there, are there other ways that you see your background in, in wrestling, you know, martial arts in general, whatever, that you see th- how that informs, you know, mm-hmm. the, creati- the creative stuff you do? Because yeah. I see, I see, you know, I always talk about the idea that we're, we're, we talk a lot about the, what I always say, like the, the fight to make great art and then also yeah. the creativity we can see in actual fighting, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what, what part, what other ways do you feel like that background of yours plays into the, mm-hmm. your creative life now? I mean, I would say, I would say still like persistence is sort of the, 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 oh, the yeah. biggest theme. Yeah. Um, Things Wrestling's with, really hard too. Anybody who's never actually wrestled somebody since they were seven, it's, so it's hard. fucking insanely it's difficult so hard, dude. and it's exhausting. Like, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in, in your forearms are just like I can't feel my hands anymore. Like they're just <laughs> after like years of doing it, you know, yeah. you just get going. But actually, I would say um, another thing that comes to mind actually is uh, like improv- improvisation or uh, just like yeah. gut feeling because like you don't have time to think about shit in a wrestling match like Uh you do a lot of like basically beforehand and in practice you like do a lot of drills like repeating the same thing so it's drilled into your body yeah so i kind of feel like the same um like visceral guidance that happens when when i do like art or like i i don't try to think about like concepts too much like somebody asked me to do like an art installation or something like that i just sort of like i just like go look at the space and then i just like sort of just like let the first thing rush over me and then like from there it's like this crude idea and then I refine it but yeah. I don't I try not to think too much about anything which right. is maybe something that I learned from sports yeah so. yeah well I think and I think too like one other thing about it is um, like when it comes to uh, you know lots of people we know in Nashville who are more traditional musicians of one kind or another mm-hmm. like the 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 there's there's people I've known through the years who are just uh, obviously just outrageously talented people um, that said, I know a fuckload of bull, mind-blowing musicians yeah. who just have a work ethic, and mm-hmm. and they just they practice their ass off for years, and they developed muscle memory, and that's what musicianship is. Yeah, a lot of it. You know, there's more to it than that, obviously. <laughs> totally. But but it's just like an athlete. You know, it's like it's like yeah, you practice that move over and over. So every time your butt hits the mat, you're hooking that arm, and you're you know what I mean. Totally. And you don't even yeah. think about it. You know yes. what I mean. And it's the same thing I with saw, practicing a composition or something it's I, like oh we get God, to this yeah. part and the e minor chord i don't even know what i'm doing it just does, does it by itself now <laughs> <laughs> sure, the, the, sure. the late great tony williams drummer played with miles davis all these people right i got to see him do a clinic back in the 90s mm-hmm. and so he was doing this drum clinic he's probably in my mind the greatest drummer ever but he's playing um and then he does this kind of q a thing and you can tell he's already annoyed just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> right? because then there's like all these you can tell like, he's already annoyed well, just because, like, <laughs> just certain people are shouldn't do clinics but they do yeah. you know what i mean it's like this kind of i don't know yeah like, why, like why when you see it. a horrible interview and you're just like you did not come prepared for this yeah, yeah. Or you just didn't want to do it because he, yeah. he basically sat down 
played for about 20 minutes with no implication or anything. He did just, he just did double stroke roll on the snare drum for about five minutes. Oh, wow. And then broke it out to all this other stuff and all this crazy, beautiful, melodic, all this, you know. And he's done, and he just gets up and he's like, so anybody have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like everybody's hair is like blown His back. His voice like trails <laughs> off. He's like, anybody have any questions? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Questions. Okay. Yeah. And so, of course, there's like all these mega music nerds in yeah. there, you know, with like their, like they work at Microsoft, but they've got like some weird ethnic hat on, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever, like, like the jazz guys, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, uh, but anyway, so <laughs> weird. Of course, like, <laughs> they like work a, at Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. This is, so, so this guy raises his hand and he's like, um, he's like, so, uh, you know, I noticed you were playing whatever nine over four and da-da, and the ride symbol and da-da. and Tony was like, just kind of like, uh, all right, all right. <laughs> he's like, uh, and and the, oh, and the guy was like, and I noticed like on Circle in the Round, like this record that he did with my, you know, you, you know, on this song, you were, you know, and he was just like, I haven't heard that record since we recorded it in, in 1968 or whatever. Yeah. He's like, you're thinking about this shit way yeah. too much. Totally. And then he follows it up with, um, to your point, Joe, where he's, he's like, uh, so what you're really asking me is how did I develop my ride symbol technique? That's, uh-huh. that's the real question. And I'll give you the answer to that. I'll give you, I'll give you the answer. He's like, what I did is I just took all of my drums, right? And I just put them away, except for the ride cymbal. <laughs> just the ride cymbal, right? In my living room or whatever. And then what I did is I just played nothing but the ride cymbal uh-huh. for like six or seven or eight hours a day <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And after I'd done that for a long time, I developed my ride cymbal technique. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. That's everything. Yeah. yeah. You take for granted, like you see people who are like really talented or like really at this uh, expert level, whatever they're doing, and you kind of take for granted like how much time they've put in. Yeah. You're just yeah. Like, you just think that these people are naturals. And, you know... To some extent, like some people are, like sure. they they will yeah. six hours for them will be like twenty four hours for you. Sure. But um, yeah, like people who are really good do it all the time, and maybe yeah. they do it all the time because they love it. So yeah, there's like I, I sort of like uh, hit this point where like I you know after years of like trying new things, I'll like think I'm interested in it. And I like, really want to be interested in it, but then you have to like sort of admit to yourself at some point you're like, maybe the I work. don't yeah. like this yeah. actually as much as I want to like it. Yeah. So yeah, I think a lot of people get into that um, that rut, you know, where they just can't admit to themselves that like maybe I should just like pivot and tr- do something that's like more natural for me. Right. But, well, I, f- I found it to be very interesting because I I realized when I was. When I was like in high school, I was, a, I was uh, a football player, right? So I was way into football. I was crazy about football, right? And I, I mean, I was like, com- I was focused on it all the time. In mm-hmm. the summer, I was like going to the gym and lifting weights, running. I was just like, couldn't wait to get better at football, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then at some point when I was like a senior, I uh, that's like around the time that I really started like really really get because i played music i I played saxophone in in band in like middle school and then mm-hmm. by the time i was 15 i had a guitar and i started writing my own songs and all that kind of stuff but by the time i was like a junior senior that's when i was just like i am fucking dedicated to this thing yeah and realized that that this part this creative part of me was eclipsing this athletic part of me that I had identified with so strongly and worked so hard to achieve in. And then all of a sudden for a minute there, I was like personality (laughs) crisis. Like literally I was like, who, what am I doing? Can I, 
can I, I was terrified in a way because I didn't know what to do exactly. Definitely, man. And, and, uh, but, but it was okay. It all turned out all right. But like later on in my life, I realized like that was a big deal and like that freaks people out all the time. And I just didn't know that was a thing because I hadn't lived long enough to have one thing supplant the other. Yeah, for sure. Who I was. You yeah, know what I'm saying? It's scary, man. And like yeah. music was that thing for me. Yeah. Like I spent so, I spent my whole life, like I got a guitar when I was 10. Mm-hmm. And then when I was like 26, yeah. I had this revelation where it's like, fuck, like I don't think I'm gonna be a musician like, <laughs> yeah i was like i was like i i i like sort of disbanded this band i was in with my twin brother like uh-huh. we had been playing music our whole lives right and i'm just like i like band practice i just hated doing it i was mm-hmm. just like fuck like this is not fun anymore um we've been playing the same shit for two years and like it just sounds the same i was just like i need to step away from this mm-hmm. and then like that's when i found like video and mm-hmm. it just like came into my life and i started getting jobs doing it and like became like a livelihood and i yeah. was like but you know i guess it's what you were talking about and what i just brought up a minute ago is like that pivot moment yeah. where it's just but sometimes i mean and it doesn't happen right away i feel like yeah. the more therapeutic thing to do is to sort of step away from it first and give yeah. it give it air well, yeah. maybe you can rediscover yourself and find like yeah. what you what you're doing inside of this umbrella yeah. like maybe it's you know music or athletics or whatever it may be you take a step back and maybe like Okay, I maybe I'm not like going to be in a band and play music. Maybe I need to like uh, compose or like play music with other people. Like, just give yourself some sort of like other option because you'll be so amazed by the like um, space that you have inside of your creativity when Mm. you when you give it like uh, some room to grow or like some other outlet. Because if you're just forcing the same path over and over, you're like killing what something that really means a lot to you, you know? And it's like, that's just as bad as not doing it at all. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing too, is that I feel like we, um, you know, that, that there's something about, um, there's something about like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just because I'm in like an intense energetic person that I think I, when I'm into something I can get, it's almost like you can be too into it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you if you take it less seriously, it's you actually will do it better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense to me as 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 a football player. As a football player, it's like there is nothing more important than winning this game. For there sure. is nothing that's going to get this weight off your chest more than trying harder. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you have that sense of like you know effort will yield results and focus will increase my effort. You know, and that all that stuff. And it's like kind of, but then there's, to an extent, to an extent, yeah. And then there's a certain point where it's like you're smothering it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think there's like a thing too where it is sort of like um, I see this happen a lot with other friends and people and it's definitely been the case for me where it's like you got to just acknowledge that the water is forking the water wants to go this way <laughs> yeah. and just because the water you've been pushing it you know this direction down this path for this many years doesn't mean that you're entitled to somehow like this is a force larger than you yeah and you, you know but, it doesn't give a fuck yeah, yeah. 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 fuck and it will like yeah. you it will just totally carry you and be like this is just how like and you have to like look at the results and be like this is what's happening yeah like yeah and after especially after a period of time you have to be like this is probably how it's going gonna be yeah like i mean yeah there's kind of like i'm not gonna get any taller <laughs> yeah and i mean there's that point there's that moment right? <laughs> there's also like no for me <laughs> 
There's also like no rules because the thing that I'm talking about right now is something that somebody didn't do and ended up being like wildly successful. Yeah. So it's yeah. like I just I just think that it's something to consider. Yeah. You know, it's not what? like a rule. It's not no, like I could do some shit for five years yeah. if you're not like fucking blowing up and making yeah. a ton of money and you know Well the thing that I'm interested in too is that you know I've I've done the you know, a, a lot of years of music and, you know, at one stage fully invested, had a studio producing, playing, doing all the things. Um, certainly not doing that now. Uh, but kind of because I kind of got to the same point where you were, where it's like, I can't, I can't, this is just, <laughs> I, I can't listen to this song again. Yeah. You know, or whatever. And then trying yeah. to get, and then working with other people and trying to do it for money and then all the things. And it's just like, oh, this has now become nothing of what I love. Right. So walk away from that. That, that kind of makes it a little easier. Uh, but there is that sort of point of all the different things that I've done, you know, in terms of, you know, photography or this or that or the other. And, but what I think is interesting is over time, you just keep adding new things like for me like in the, in the way that video is right. new for you like drone technology and everything is it's all brand new yeah so it's, and it's new to me and the vocabulary is not even written yet like there's this is just a bunch of uh, mm-hmm. children running around people with, are still trying to uh, figure out if it's legal or not <laughs> right yeah or what it can do or what it should do or right. uh, you know and what are the conventional aesthetics those are born very quickly it took like and, three years for that shit to get like really nice too. yeah like the yeah. cameras on it were you yeah they're like nothing and like three years later it's like oh well, now, we have the technology these little cameras have been around for a long time but we never thought about putting it on a flying yeah, device yeah, yeah. well then, but here's the like I'm already a complete sort of snob because now it's like like you know my drone is the you know uh, my better one is like the one where you can you know do interchangeable lenses and you know all you know so now it's like Okay, everybody, <laughs> everybody's take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> this has gotten real, yeah. you know. Uh, and so, and, but I just love the idea that there's no, there's no, um, there's just so much green pasture of just what I don't know, you know, for sure. Um, and I've contemplated a lot of projects actually that I'm trying to find a way to get into that I think we should talk about because you might be the missing link to help me make some of these things possible, and we might be able to find a way to work on something that I think is kind of deviant and uh, worthwhile. Cool. Uh, so we'll talk things usually go together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, but yeah. I love that a- you can sort of like sneak into these abandoned spots with your drone. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you like got permission to go into the Tennessee State Prison. Yes, but- that was actually the whole time walking around with a, uh, a person from the corrections department. Uh, Ready to blow your head off at any Actually, moment. we walked around that whole prison. You know, this, this old, you know, this prison's been closed since the early 90s and it's very famous whatever it's falling apart but it's beautiful sort of uh victorian architecture and all this but anyway we're walking around and, and the guy's got a binder that is like the the god book of structural peril that you uh, might suffer depending on where you are yeah, it's and a- they've got like all the it's sort of like all the floor plans of every space of this entire massive prison and complex all these different buildings what building is that okay well let's go you know and then oh, like that's can, awesome. can can we go to the second you know so he'd be like okay you know, he'd be yelling at me. I'd be up on some stairwell on some fire escape type thing. He'd be like, okay, you can go in that door about Whoa. 10 feet, but don't go any further. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's crazy. Uh, so is, is, is the floor damaged? No, it's a ghost. <laughs> That's right. it's, that place has got to be haunted as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was, when I was just like, um, 
kind of uh, walking through half, you know, the, the death row and all that. Man, it's, oh, it's yeah. terrifying. I mean, a lot of people were executed there, uh-huh. and you know that a lot of the people executed there were probably not guilty of anything so because sad. it was those times, right? I mean, oh not that God. that still doesn't happen, but you know, what I'm saying yeah. like back then it was pre DNA tests and all that stuff. Well, and, and pre, I mean, you know, it's just think about social where, ethics. Where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> think about things were in like well, the, the teens and the twenties. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, in the south. Yeah, or, or, and this <laughs> blame this, a Negro. Yeah, it, exactly. That's what was going on. That's true. And so there's actually some very interesting books I've got from. I've got a great book actually over here. That's um, I can't remember the fellow's name, but it's written by. Uh, and by the way, we're like five feet yeah, from this right prison there. right now. But uh, but anyway, yeah, Stone's Throne. But I've got a great autobiography of um, uh, a guy that was there for thirty something years. Uh, wow. Pretty incredible. I mean, he talks about like his first night going in there and finding this is obviously when you were in prison and things were completely inhumane and caveman like but you could somehow have matches i guess anyway so crazy because i guess they had to do i don't know but anyway he had he would burn like newspapers in his cell to just burn all the uh uh bed bugs Ugh. that are just like teeming all over the walls Ooh. he was using those to like you know burn just so he could try to go to sleep on his first night. They actually just uh, funneled in, uh, you know, the river, the Cumberland River is right here. They just, like, it was just river water and, like, I mean, just the condition. I mean, this place closed in 92 because it, of, of inhumane conditions yeah. in the 90s. So wow. imagine what it was like, I mean, back yeah. then. I mean, it was like, uh, that's crazy. So the guy you're talking about, was he a prisoner or a, or a staff? A prisoner. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Was he guilty? I think so, mm. but it was something where it was like, "Wait, you're getting how many years for what?" You yeah, know what I mean? Right, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's how it worked, you know. Yeah. Plus, uh, it was a prison labor camp, so I mean, it was, uh, you know, economically, it was an engine, and yeah. so they got to keep that thing going. And so basically, it was just you know getting slave labor to produce whatever they were producing. Yeah. They had they had all these um, uh, crops and you know yield of all kind of things out there. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. that they were sort of you know the train rolls up pack it up it's so crazy going to see like all of the historic stuff in tennessee and it's like all of it's been built by slaves and yeah. you see like like you know you can't go the, anywhere like have you been out to like a true, Harbeth, i mean have you been to harbeth narrows mm-hmm. you know that park yeah harbeth narrows you've been out there i think so so like you walk on that trail and then you come out of this oh, kind of water like, and there's like a round sort of tunnel with yes, the water coming out that thing you're like oh that's really cool and then you like learn about it it's like oh that was made that's like, actually what by i was thinking about by slaves yes. yeah yeah and you're just like you just look at it and you're just like this is disgusting i can't enjoy yeah. anything around here and man. some dude <laughs> got rich like uh he he basically realized that if you punch get a bunch of yeah. slaves to punch a hole yeah. in this rock bed it could flow and then they could just turn it into like an iron ore mill or whatever and yeah. you're just like i'm a rich man now and it's like <laughs> how do we but, solve this problem throw labor at it yeah, yeah free they, labor you see like all like you just see how tedious that must have been and yeah they're just like picking away at this and it's kind and of it's be- all like, huge hole yeah. in this rock that it's like <laughs> impenetrable yeah. and this is fucking like and six it, foot or, like, no, it's probably I mean, like it's, 15 feet wide, 20 feet wide. It's big. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And it's actually kind of beautiful, like the way that it, it I mean, it, it looks like a beautifully handcrafted tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> it literally was cut by hand. But yeah, before, yeah, yeah. before like Swedish boring machines did everything or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a tree inside of it too. It's like, yeah, it's cool. But yeah, so um, yeah, uh, Tennessee State Prison, uh, it is still in use, but not for prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um anybody that might be listening to this 
don't go over there. Yeah, uh, it's you they, might but, die. but it's people, guarded. Yeah, it but is guarded. people who don't know should know about. It. Tell them where can they see your your short film you made of it with your drone cameras? Just uh, it's an amazing little t- movie. T N State Prison Film dot com or just Google Tennessee State Prison Film. Yeah, you'll find it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it's so beautiful, man. Oh man, that was award like, winning. Your award winning film. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those things too, where you're you know like a week later you're like this sucks. Yeah, I hate this. Yeah, yeah. If, if I would have like the gear coming. that I have now is so much better. Right, I only had one day to do. All of that. That was just one mm-hmm. like going into the prison, like escorted in it, like whatever you could dark at five thirty in the morning, yeah. and then whatever we could get by sundown and get out of there. Yeah, um, and you just like it, it takes time, no matter when what you're filming or recording, like just to figure out like how to do it in the space. You and know? there's no mm-hmm. like I was, I was afforded no ability to go scout it before and kind of figure out a plan for right. how I'm going to go about it. And right, you know, my That's friend, Jim, my friend Jim Demain was with me, and you know he was shooting some stuff and helping me, but. Uh, but it's, ultimately, like it was a pain. It was really hard. It was the best, one of the best days of my life. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. But I just hate that. Like, I just hate that. That um, man. I mean, my editing tools, my shooting tools, everything were so incredibly primitive. I would have done. Oh man, I, I'm actually kind of. I've been. I've been. Uh, my contact over there at the Department of Corrections. I've been kind of like nudging a little bit in hopes that it's like, hey, that was so successful. Yeah, we should do it again. Yeah, and let me see if I can get you know now because it it had to go through approvals all the way up to the Tennessee whoever the highest yeah. person is in the Department of Corrections. Yeah, had to have like a private screening of it. I had to have all. I mean, the contracts, the security. I can only imagine the, the all the things I had to go through. Yeah. It was the most bureaucratic thing you could possibly go through because it was state government and it was corrections. Uh-huh. So it was. It's it was the only evidence they have of like a sort of. Um you know, documenting it and it's be like, this is going to be the seminal, like, uh, if people want to see like what the, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That this is the, and I was so, you know, people get mad cause it's not a Ken Burns thing where it's like, and now we enter the, and in 18, you know, like, oh, no, God, it's not, I didn't identify any buildings. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just wanted to, I wanted the viewer to have the same experience that I had where it's like, yeah. I, I don't have time to understand everything about what I'm seeing. Yeah. I've definitely read some books. I've definitely done a little bit of research of yeah. information that's available on the internet, mm-hmm. but basically I'm just walking through and exploring it. And all you can do is get in the mindset of somebody that was there. Yeah. Totally. And just, and be like, Wow. Your imagination's so much more like wild than I mean, I'm sure things there's also things that happened at the Tennessee State Prison that you could never imagine. Yeah. But also just like seeing something just being presented without any verbal description, you're just like it just hits you so much harder. You're yeah. just like, Oh my god. And mm-hmm. some and a lot of like you know, sort of slightly painful long shots and things that were definitely on purpose because that's probably that tension. Like, oh, are you a little uncomfortable because this scene's like, you know, 22 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Try 22 right. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Stare at this wall for 22 years. Yeah. <laughs> but it is weird to sort of make something with the idea of like, I'm going to also, <laughs> I'm going to transmute the sort of punishment that I'm sort of observing here and make sure that the audience gets it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I kind of wanted to do that. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not for fun. Yeah. For you know? sure. Yeah. It's a painful place. So. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's real. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and so with all the things like that kind of film and other types of things, to me, what's interesting is what, what's, what yields the most information to me is trying a lot of different things 
and you know whether to some extent or fully immersed or wearing the t-shirt because now i'm this kind of person or not or whatever yeah but just doing all those different things and then over enough time as much as it feels disparate i think when you're a little younger like that it is like you're just getting on a different track you start to see it in this more radial type of way where it's like oh i'm i'm running a circuit through all these different sort of mediums and each Mm -hmm. exploration and each thing I I start to identify something else that is what my voice is or my yeah, thing is or my aesthetic has is. Been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like your so, place in that in that yeah, field. Yeah. I'm sure you see similarities between like sort of what you know uh, your guitar playing and what you're doing video wise or whatever. You know, like there's and that's that is powerful stuff because then it validates. I think a lot of ideas and thoughts that you have mm-hmm. or inclinations you might have in one medium. Now yeah. you're in another and you're like, nope. Like, that's a real thing. Like, that's me really totally. getting to something. And when you're younger, I feel like, you know, being like a teenager, you're so, once you find something and you connect with it, you're like, this is me. Yeah. You know, like you've already figured it out. But then like when you get older, you're like, you start to try different things and then the easier it becomes to sort of just like hop into something and be like, cool, like no, try to have you know, less ego about it than you ever have yeah. you know, each time. And you're like, yeah, like, let's just see how I respond with this. Does this resonate with me? Cool. Like, yeah. And you can sort of like, even if you don't, you start to realize that like, even if you don't understand something in full, you can still just like pluck a piece out of it and be like, you know, like I'm, if I'm not like a drone guy, but like I go pick up a drone and just fly it and figure out something cool to do with it. Yeah. You know, like you don't have mm-hmm. to be an expert to, That's right. to sort of, like some creativity yeah right. it's like when you're young it's like okay what kind of girls do i want to try to date like the drama girls yeah. I, i'm gonna be in a theater yeah. you know or whatever yeah. there's like strange motivations at any time when you're younger about uh-huh. identity and totally. you know, what your social path is and trying to just assimilate to just anything or trying to have a handhold on anything and then yeah. you realize later that like it doesn't fucking matter right. and everybody's the same like you're like that guy is such a nerd like i would never be like him or whatever but then you're like that guy is exactly like me like it's he just like does different things or whatever you know i mean people are different don't get me wrong but there's just you sort of see that like the impulses that people have towards things are the same impulses that you have towards things and uh just you sort of have just less judgment about it and it's it's nice to be able to just relate to people and be like that's cool man like you do that that's that's what's up yeah (laughs) unless you're like racist and shit yeah it's not cool yeah then you got a whole other (laughs) that's why i would hate i think most about being a racist it's just a baggage (laughs) well it just it just seems like a lot of extra stuff to do yeah yeah you know what i mean like it seems like a much easier path yeah, I'm like speaking if you generally find, about if you impulses. Find, so. <laughs> if you can't find it in your heart to be treating people as equals, at least be more pragmatic about like what. Yeah, doesn't it take a lot more energy? Yeah, effort. Oh god, start there maybe, and then you'll kind of yeah. you know fake it till you make it. I find yeah. that to be. I mean, I find that with just being judgmental in general about stuff. You know, yeah. it's just like yeah. w- whether it's people or things or whatever. It's like. I mean, because I, I, I consider myself to be a pretty fucking judgmental person when I don't keep a, an eye on Well, it, part of one, I mean? one of your titles is a critic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, but, but, but definitely, I, I feel like it's a part, like a part of my personality that I'm like, eh, ooh, ooh, watch it, watch it, don't go, don't do this. It's not, this is not the good you. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I feel like, um, but I feel like, and I, the main thing, though, is I feel like it's just, I always have to remind myself, like, what a waste of time this is to yeah. even be thinking about this thing 
that I hate so much yeah. when I could exactly. be thinking about something I enjoy or that brings me happiness or that I can be curious about. It's like, why focus on this annoying thing that's that you a, hate? That's human nature. <laughs> yeah. Human nature thing, though. It's like yeah. the reason that we all like watching murder or hearing murder mystery yeah. stuff. You know, like, have you guys ever watched... Uh, yeah. Sword and Sc- or listen to Sword and Scale, the podcast. No, uh uh-uh. Sword and Scale. But I've seen every forensic files. Yeah, I'm more of a yeah. I'm That's more just because a, like a, the narrator just puts me to sleep or yeah, something. So those I, those shows, I, I really like like the serial murder crazy crime shows. But I also sort of like at a certain point, like two maybe three episodes is about it. Then I'm like, okay, I cannot listen to to more horrible yeah, yeah. shit about this person. It's interesting to understand the threshold of experience like, and what things can go yeah. on, but that you it's can't fast, live there. The, yeah, the, 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 I love the in crime investigation thing. Like, like exactly. what do they call like a, 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 like crime? films that are procedural films love it yeah. show me a fucking chart with yarn and shit <laughs> yeah, you know I think it's that's, that's fucking rad but but you know it's like but I can only handle so much of the like just darkness you know show me the yarn show me the yarn you gotta connect that fucking shit with yarn man <laughs> so you're talking sword and what is it called sword and scale sword and scale what's the that thing about? is uh, stories of this, pure evil this is a podcast yeah okay. I mean there's like unfortunately a lot of stuff about like things happening to children because like the most fucked up people in the world do stuff to children so mm-hmm. there's but there's stories of all colors um and some stuff about like people being sociopaths where they just like you think you're friends with somebody and then they've been lying the entire uh, time yeah. and they're just like some freak in the yeah. closet yeah stuff like that um I think I got hooked on that kind of stuff, like the aesthetic of it from Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Back in the day, I just like used to watch it and it didn't seem real to Robert me. Robert Stack. Yeah, Robert. And like, do, 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 do. Yeah, I, just, like, I love that. I was just like watching it. DB like, Sweeney jumped out of a plane <laughs> with 10 <laughs> years <laughs> out. <laughs> DB Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just like stories. And then they would do the updates and yeah. I was like, oh my God, is it going to be an update? Like, yeah, can, uh, that show came. It's on Netflix now. You can watch it. Is there going to be an update? That was the thing. Yeah, people binge watch a whole show now. Back then, Unsolved Mysteries was yeah. solving shit. First of all, you don't know if there will be an update. Yeah, yeah. they might move the case forward. They might not. Yeah, it might be some shit three years later. Yeah, we're like, oh update on that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. That's cool. We had to be patient. Yeah. 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 I mean, that show was awesome because it was entertaining people, but also doing something. Like, why don't we start building that sort of, like, social... Because so many people watch TV, you know? If you can, like... If you're harnessing all that energy... Exactly. Like, what can we do? What can... People are going to sit there and watch it anyway. So what can we do to get them to engage, like... I don't know. It just feels like such, like, unharnessed potential there to, like, do public good... By if people like, well, don't they on that one show? What's the show yeah. with? Uh, isn't there a sh- what's America's Most Wanted or whatever? Didn't they do yeah. stuff on that show where people would call in and yeah. then they would find their long lost relative and shit? Yeah, nothing you exists know? like that anymore, and yeah. that problem hasn't gone away. Yeah, that's, that's still true. a problem. Yeah. Like. There's more of that shit than ever, probably. Yeah, and now so. it's like the only engage. Like it's like, well, I vote on American uh, American dancers or whatever. You know, like the yeah, audience yeah. will vote for that shit. But the voice we can't. We yeah. can't get people to uh-huh. to like you know. Hey, we could solve a crime, but we <laughs> they would if we put it in front of them. It's just yeah. like not happening anymore. Like, why is Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted not a thing anymore? Yeah, it's like one of the greatest shows. Oh, you ever. think about, <laughs> you think about uh, like, so, but, uh, making a murderer. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. That activated a lot of people. And That's I think uh, that public pressure and, and awareness led to at least uh, the younger kid, right, getting let out. And yeah. then um, there's the serial, the first serial one uh-huh. with the, whatever mm-hmm. that one was. Nothing ever happened from that, though. Also, too, remember Nothing ever happened guys, from that. That was the most frustrating yeah. podcast ever, which is like, but it it made podcasts a thing again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of became like the what it, whatever that be like the third the third wave of podcast maybe or something yeah. like that. Yeah, where it's people weird. try to organize what they say and think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is exactly. not happening here. Yeah, this is more the hook the arm kind of podcast, <laughs> just, alien style. Yeah, exactly, it's just fucking barrel roll, alien ankle style. pick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the ankle pick, man! That's such a gorgeous move. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so beautiful. Let's I could go. never do it. I was too like. Hey, let's yeah. run out front now and try it in the street. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Wait till this is a video podcast, y'all. So, uh, so, uh, Mike, let people know where they can find all your things. Oh God, um, I'm currently doing a software school right now, so I'm building my website. Nice, but uh, you can find my stuff at mkavarts.com and uh, Instagram mkav for Mike Kluge Audio Visual. Kluge, Kluge, K L U. G. G E, right? Yes, G E. K L U G E, Kluge. All right. And then Joe Nolan, you're back. Welcome Kluge. back. So so nice Mike to have you back. And uh, what, what do you got coming up? Um, I, I found out this week that I'm going to publish a poem, but I don't, I'm not going to tell you anything more about it because honestly, I don't even know the details myself yet. But I found out that this, I've got a, got a poem accepted into an anthology. And, um, uh, also, there was an announcement last week that some of the that um, it's the 40th birthday of Nashville's Metro Arts Department, uh, mm. and, and there was actually an article that came out earlier, earlier this year, or maybe late last year, that said that Nashville's uh, Nashville as a city supports visual art more than any other place in the country. And I think it was basically by the dollar amounts compared to the overall budget or whatever. Whoa. Nashville actually has a thing in their budget where when they spend public money on, on like a building projects or whatever, 1% of that money has to go to visual art. Okay, And then that ends up funding public sculptures and things like this. So there's a, uh, there's a I guess, it, I don't know if it's a new courthouse building or if they've remodeled the courthouse building, but there's a courthouse that's uh, that needs interior decorating. Mm. So one of the things they're doing to celebrate their 40th anniversary is they bought, they're buying works from 25 artists. They're going to buy 40 pieces of work from 25 different artists in Nashville. And uh, that, that, that was like a couple weeks ago they had like the dedication of that building and announced who the artists were so I'll be one of the artists who has I'll have photographs in that building Uh, and they came to the gallery to visit the work the other day and I don't know exactly what it'll be it sounds like it'll be a, a big print with some small prints but we'll see that's amazing so, but that's so that's the those those are the it's got your some history photos happen. you're got part some, of history now well it's it's yeah. it's uh, for anybody who doesn't know the Pikes Project photographs like it's all photographs of roadways in Nashville so hashtag I can't Pikes think Project. of a, yeah hashtag Pikes Project go to at Pikes Project on Instagram to become a part of the project yourself and um, uh, the uh, but it's I it, there is a certain I'm not done with this project it's ongoing I still have lots of ideas that I want to take on with it but but there is a sense of like a real sort of like uh, what do you call it like a land like a landmark I don't know like but I feel like there's a certain sense of like completion milestone like, a milestone that's what I'm trying to say like from coming up with the idea of what to do with this having it turn into this much bigger project than I ever imagined it yeah, to be nice. and then to have these photos 
of these places in the city end up in the permanent public collection of the city, it's like that's like the perfect place they could be. Totally. So, uh, so I'm very excited about it. Awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so MKAV Arts. MKAV, yeah. 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 And, and then we have MKAV. Mm-hmm. I just said MKAV. I don't know why. MKAV. How it uh, looks. So okay. fair enough. MKAV Arts. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, dudes, I really appreciate it. This has been really yeah, fun, and we has. should do it again. Definitely. Are you on Twitter? No. So Brian's Smart on Twitter. Beat. Brian's on Twitter. Those Drones on Twitter. That's true. And we also have Art Fight Podcast podcast on Twitter. Yeah. So follow us there, too, because we always tweet the fights, and I always hashtag those guys. Those guys meaning us yeah, in yeah. some <laughs> other account. <laughs> those wacky Rob, Art Fight Podcast guys. Robin Black sometimes favorites or retweets our thing. Every now and, and like, then, hey man, Jack Slack. We're pretty much a, buddies now. Yeah. <laughs> we're pretty much, yeah, when's he, when's Robin Black going to be on the show? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, right? uh, we're waiting, Robin. Yeah, it's a, tr- <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we're out. Appreciate it. Later. Peace. Peace.